love you, Lord. Come on, if you really love him, clap your hands. Come on, if you really love him, dishonor him today. Clap your hands. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Yes. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. If you have your Bibles, your iPads, your iPhones, your Androids, I want you to turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 16. In verse number 13, 1 Samuel chapter 16, in verse number 13. Man, what an awesome worship team. Oh, my word. What an honor to lead that group of worshipers and to lead you all. What, what? I don't have enough hands to clap and tell you how much I appreciate, how much I appreciate what God is doing right here in this beautiful city of Denver. Amen. I'm going to read a few verses in your hearing, and they'll be on the screen. If you don't find them, that's okay, because I'm going to move quickly. I just want to read three verses for a text. And then we're going to preach for a little while. We're going to let the Lord move in the altar service. And then we're going to have a great time together after this. But the Bible says this, Then Samuel took the horn of oil. Imagine this with me. And he anointed David. And now when... when when they anointed kings, and when they anointed people in the Old Testament, they didn't do like we do. We just kind of, we kind of dab and, and, and we pray over the sick and that's biblical. But when they anointed in the Old Testament, they would just pour that horn of oil out over the top of that young man named David. And the Bible says that in the midst of his brethren, the spirit of the Lord came upon David Watch this right here. From that day forward. Acts 13 and 22, we're still talking about this same David. Second half of the verse says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart. This is God speaking, which shall fulfill all my will. And then 1 Chronicles 15 and 1, again, talking about this, this man, David. It says, And David made him houses in the city of David and prepared a place for the ark of God and pitched for it a tent. Now, I just have a feeling today our, our, whole, our whole theme is experience. Our whole theme is a worship experience in this place. And I believe we have felt and experienced worship in this house I, I just feel in this place I feel that, that there's been spirits have been broken and God's allowed to move into our lives but I want to preach about a worship experience the Bible talks about the Holy Ghost and before you're seated but the Holy Ghost is not it's not a noun it's a verb it's not a person place or thing the Holy Ghost is a verb it, it describes an action the Holy Ghost, the verb Holy Ghost describes the action of God's Spirit moving among His people. When you say, I feel the Holy Ghost, you're saying, I feel God, but He's doing something. He's moving. The experience that we feel in the church is God's Spirit as a verb moving as the Holy Ghost through the, up and down these aisles and throughout each one of these sections. I just believe today that the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of the Lord, is not only going to move around us, but it's going to move into us. 
And somebody here today is going to leave with a worship experience. You're going to come and say, we just didn't sing songs. We didn't just learn new songs. But we experienced true worship. Clap your hands because God is going to move. I'm going to preach about authentic worship experiences. The authentic worship experience. You may be seated in Jesus' name. David, probably the most famous Old Testament character. The man after God's own heart, the little boy named David. Everybody knows the giant slayer David, right? I mean, if you've been to Sunday school at all, if you, uh, you know, even outside of Sunday school, David has a reputation of, of being quite, quite the army, uh, quite the battalion, quite the leader, quite, quite the man of God. And, and the story of David, and I don't have a lot of time to set a, a real good foundation, but I do want to just uh, tell you a little bit about David. David was a man after God's own heart. He was a man who listened to the voice of God. And from a very young age, from a very, for all you 10 and 12 and 14-year-olds, all you children that are in the house tonight, let me preach at you for a minute. You don't have to wait until you get older in order to have a worship experience. There was this little boy named David. He had a harp. He would build musical instruments. And on his own, he would go out into the wilderness while watching over sheep. While being a shepherd, a child, some of you are looking at the front rows here. Some of you children, you think that you can't do anything for God. God loves worshipers. If you're not old enough to teach a Sunday school class, if you're not old enough to be a greeter, if you're not old enough to set up sound equipment, at least be a worshiper because that's what God looks for first. He looks for worshipers. Be a child that says, I want to be like little boy David, and I'm going to worship God any way that I can find a way to worship him. But this young boy, David, was anointed by Samuel. He was anointed by the prophet in those days. He was was actually just a second king. It wasn't something that they had a lot of experience in. But he was the second guy. Saul was king. And Saul was the mighty man. Saul stood head and shoulders over everybody else. And, And Saul looked like a king. But David looked like a boy. David was just a strapling. And and I'm not going to go through the whole story, but you know when David fought Goliath. Even Saul looked at him and said, hey, this man, Goliath, this giant, he's been fighting since he was a youth. You're just a, you're just a runt. You're just a child. You're not even the oldest brother of the family. You're just one of the younger ones. You're, you're one of the forgotten ones. And, and Saul didn't look like much, but let me tell you something. Even when David killed Goliath, he was already anointed by God to be the next king. And the Bible says that from the time of his anointing forward, he had the spirit of God within him. I don't know about you, I don't want to do anything, be anything, without the Spirit of God directing me and directing my paths. My prayer is that from this moment forward, Lord God, I want you to direct the paths of every person in this building. (laughs) But the story goes, and it's a long story, but there was what was called the Ark of God. It was was made of gold. It It was this beautiful vessel that the Bible says the presence of God dwelled within. And it was this ark that the people of God, this was before David's kingdom, but in Saul's kingdom, they would bring this ark into battle. And just bringing the presence of God into battle, they would win the fight. But there came a day, because Saul wasn't a man after God's own heart. Saul was wicked. 
Saul was a sinner. He was a, he was a follower of everybody except for Jehovah God. And there was a day when they brought the ark into battle and they did not win the battle. But instead they lost the battle in the Philistines. It was the Philistines that took the, the, the ark captive. And so the power of God left Israel. And the Bible said it was the darkest moments for the Israelites. The darkest moment is when you feel that God has left you, that you can't feel God. When you pray to God, when you lift up your hands, when you sing songs, yet you don't feel God. Everybody in this room has been there. You felt like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounced back down. But I want you to know there was a man after God's own heart whose name was David. And David said, we're going to go and get the presence of God. And the very first thing he did when he became king, he said, I want the presence of God in my kingdom and so the story goes and this is where I'm going to kind of pick up this message but the the story goes that David went out and, and, and he got himself an orchestra he got himself he got himself hundreds if not thousands of musical instrument players he he got himself singers he got himself a choir director in a choir he got himself priests and, and he made a great processional from where the ark was all the way to the city of David he brought the ark to his city the city of David which we know as Jerusalem we know as Zion there's a place inside of Jerusalem that's called Zion where he pitched a tent for this tabernacle and it was, it was David who said I refuse to have a life that doesn't involve God in the very middle of it and so in 2 Samuel 6 and verse uh, number, or 2 Samuel 6 and 14 the Bible says and David Dance before the Lord with all his might. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. And you've got to imagine this is, this is post-giant killing. This is, this is post the women in the street as they would sing and as they would play their tambourines and they would say, Saul, King Saul has killed his thousands. But they would dance and they would say, oh, but David has killed his ten thousands. This was after David, King David already had a name. This was after King David was already married to Saul's daughter. This was after King David had already taken the throne and now we have a king who doesn't care what anybody thinks of him because he understands when I'm in the presence of God, I've got to create a worship experience. David, the Bible says that, that he was girded with, with, with a linen ephod, which simply means he took off his kingly royal garment. David proved to his people let me tell you something his people loved him because he was not ashamed of the God that they served he wasn't too good he wasn't too dignified listen when we're in the presence of God in a worship service the last word that ought to describe us is the word dignified if people look around you when everybody else is worshiping and they look and say well look at how dignified he is that's not a compliment that's an insult. Because you know what? And Pastor said it so well. When you look back over your life, 
When you think about King David and all the stuff that God had delivered him out of, if you read through the first and second book of Samuel, if you read through the the first and second book of Kings, you're going to read about a man who was running for his life over half of his life. But when David got in the presence of the Lord, he could not contain himself. He didn't want to be known as a lion killer. He didn't want to be known as a giant killer, a bear killer. David said, I'm not a warrior that worships. I am a worshiper that makes war. He said, I am not a king that worships. I'm a worshiper that rules the kingdom. And when we get first and foremost in our lives who we are, everybody say who I am. We got to be worshipers first and foremost. Listen, there's a lot There's a lot of positions we can take up. We got pastors and bishops and we got apostles and all those things and prophets and evangelists and, and all those great positions and titles. But if you're not first a worshiper, you don't know your true identity and you can't identify yourself as a child of God. But David said, I will be a worshiper. So verse 16 says, and as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David. You got you to gotta see this right here. Michal, which was Saul's daughter, which was David's wife. But it doesn't say David's wife. It says Saul's daughter. Kind of defines who she is because her daddy was a reprobate. And it kind of says this is the offspring of the reprobate. This is the offspring of the guy who I called to be king, but wouldn't follow after me. But this, this is his child. And as, 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 as David came into the city, Michal, his wife, looks through a window and sees her husband leaping and dancing before the Lord. And the Bible says she despises him in her heart. Let me tell you something. I, I've heard it preached that, that it was because he undressed in front of the, the, the women of the kingdom. But I, I don't believe that. I believe she had a problem with worship. She had a problem that her husband was showing the people how to be worshipers. She had a problem that her husband was leading the worship of the people of God. He should have been all cool and all kingly. And she said, my husband is embarrassing me. He's making a fool out of this kingdom. But God said, oh no, he's a man after mine own heart. He's what I'm looking for. When I'm looking for king, I'm not looking for head and shoulders. I'm not looking for some image. I'm looking for worshipers but I want you I want you to see this with me because the Bible says in verse 17 and they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had pitched for it David had already had a plan he said you know what I'm gonna build this tabernacle it's not going to be anything fancy. We, we know that his son Solomon built the temple, right? We know that David, he wasn't given permission by God to build anything grand. But he said, I'm going to build whatever I can build in order to house the presence of God. And please understand this, because at the same time, if you've read the Old Testament, you understand that there was a tabernacle of Moses, And even during this time of David bringing the ark of God to the city of Zion, to the city of David, there was a tabernacle of Moses in Gibeon that was still fully functional. 
There were still priests that were coming and sacrificing animals and pouring the blood out. And they would go and they would wash their hands in a laver. And they would go into the holy place and there was a candlestick for light. There was a, a table of showbread that they would eat from. There was, there was an altar of incense where praise and worship would wafer up to God in his presence. One time a year, just one time a year, the high priest would go in behind the veil. But the problem was there was no ark behind the veil. They were going through the motions. They were going through the rituals. But I love David because David took worship out of rituals. David said, I don't want to be a ritualistic worshiper. David said, I'm going to find a new way to get in the presence of my God. It's not going to be about sacrificing animals. It's not going to be about shedding blood. But I want to do something in his presence that gives him worship. And pastor, I don't understand. I, I looked all through the Old Testament. I, I try to see why did God allow David to take the ark and not take it back to Gibeon, but instead take it to Jerusalem. And I looked through the Bible and I thought, surely, I thought, that, that cannot be right. Surely there's something wrong here. There's something wrong. David should have brought that ark back behind the veil and set it and hid it behind the veil. But somewhere, inside, I can't really understand it, but I got to believe this, that somewhere God must have desired to be in the presence of his people just as bad as his people desired to be in the presence of their God. Listen, oh, I'm about to get excited because God revealed to me, God showed me something in Scripture when I began to study this because he said, I even back in the time of Moses' tabernacle, I still desired to be in the presence of my people. I was not satisfied to be behind a curtain. I wasn't satisfied to only be seen one time a year by one man. He said, but I want to be in the presence of my people. I'm talking about the authentic worship experience. I'm talking about the very first one. I'm preaching about David, who was the very first worship leader of the Bible. Think about it. The very first, oh my, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but I'm going to begin to read scripture. And I've always read a lot of the Old Testament Psalms that are written by David. I've always read them and, and I've thought to myself, well, it must be talking about the tabernacle. It must be talking about the priests. But none of these verses took place in the old tabernacle. It was all the new tabernacle that David had built for the ark of God. It's the first worship leader. It's when worship first began. Listen, listen, listen. I know some of you today, if this is your first time in a Pentecostal service, you're probably wondering what in the world is going on here. I get it. I get it. I, I really do. I, I remember. I remember experiencing God for the first time and the thoughts that were going through my mind. I remember feeling feelings that I couldn't describe, but I couldn't deny. Come on, some of you Pentecostals have been here for a few years. You remember when you first walked in the doors? Because when true, authentic worship takes place, something has to happen on the outside because something is happening on the inside. <laughs> 
is, hey, and I know there's people here going, now where in the world? Where do they come up with this worship? Where, where do they come up with this, with this dancing and this shouting, this, this loud singing? Oh, my. They've got drums up there and guitars. I get it. I understand. But what I, what I want to show you, and, and this is something, this was not something that was formed or started on Azusa Street back in California. We had uh, the pastor at, 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 at Azusa Street. His name was William Seymour. He was a blessed African-American man who was filled with the Holy Ghost. And he came to, to California, he came to Los Angeles to hold a revival and spread this gospel. But we can't look back to Azusa Street and say that's where our worship began because it's not. Now, I guarantee they did worship there. I guarantee they had some awesome outpourings of the Holy Ghost. I guarantee just like we had today, there's people dancing and people shouting. There's people that was flowing out into the streets. I was, I'm our African regional field supervisor, and I go to Africa two or three times a year, and I was in Kenya last year, and I had to, I had to let, very carefully, I had to let my Kenyan brothers and sisters know that dancing didn't begin with them either, although they're probably the best dancers I've ever seen. I try, I try, to, I try to dance with them. Some about white men can't jump, white men can't dance either. But I told him, I said, our dance didn't originate with our brothers and sisters in Africa. Although all their worship revolves around dancing. And I don't want to blaspheme, but our worship didn't begin on the day of Pentecost either. Although they flowed out of the upper room and people thought they were drunk. Which tells me that something was going on more than shaking the pastor's hand. Right? Something was happening. People said, oh, my word, they're drunk. And Peter gets up and says, they ain't drunk as you suppose. But they've been filled with the Holy Ghost. But that's not where worship originated. That's not where praise originated. That's not where dancing originated. I'll tell you where it all began. It all began with the first worship leader. Authentic worship began the day, the day they got in the presence of God. And he said, I can't help myself. I've got to dance before the Lord. It's when David came up with the idea, I've got to get this box out of behind the curtain and I've got to get it in the presence of the people because if the people are going to live for God, they've got to be able to experience God. And that's what worship is. That's what experience and worship is. We experience the presence of our God. Which is why there was no worship before David. Because he was behind a curtain, looking for a curtain. It's because he was behind a curtain. And the people never got to experience him. He was back here. They knew he was back there. They saw a cloud above the tabernacle. They knew that his presence was there, but they couldn't be in his presence. And so all they knew was our God is here, but we can't feel him. We can't see him. We don't know what he looks like, what it feels like. But when David brought the box out behind the veil and brought it into his tabernacle all of a sudden I want to read some verses for you because David said I'm going to teach y'all he was southern I'm going to teach y'all how to worship you see 
in David's tabernacle, it wasn't like Moses' tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle, they sacrificed animals. But in Psalm 27 and 6, it says, now my head will be lifted up above my enemies around me, and I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises to the Lord. Y'all about to get excited with me because in David's tabernacle, David said in Psalm 47 and 1, Oh, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. That was not just a Bible thing. That's a worship thing. Some people say, well, you know, David was just a little excited. He was just, he had a personality that he was exuberant. No, 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 no. He was teaching us. We used to. We used to sacrifice animals and shed blood. But now we're going to give a sacrifice of praise. We're going to shout unto our God now. We're going to sing songs unto our God now. We're going to clap. We're going to worship him. In David's tabernacle, he said, lift up your hands. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. And the Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. That's David's tabernacle. That, he didn't say praise him out of Gibeon. He said praise him out of Zion. He said, come on, we're going to build a tabernacle. Now listen, y'all, it was no beauty in that tabernacle. It was just a tent. Kind of like we're here. You don't have to have stained glass windows in order to be in the presence of God. We don't have to have a steeple on top of this building to be in the presence of God. The only thing we got to have to be in the presence of God is we got to have the Spirit of God in the building with us. Hey, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. If you came here and you didn't understand why we worship, now you're understanding a little bit more why we worship. David said in Psalm 143 or 149 and 3, he said, let them praise him, let them praise his name in the dance. You might have seen some people up here dancing around a little bit. He said, we're going to praise the name of our God in the dance. And then David, he, he likes to sing. He says, let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and with the harp. Check this out. First Chronicles 23 and 5. It's going to be on your screen. Check this out. Moreover, this is David. Moreover, 4,000 were porters, praisers, worshipers. 4,000 praise the Lord with instruments which I made, said David, to praise therewith. Do y'all see that? Is that on your screen? David said, I have built 4,000 instruments. Don't look up here. Don't, don't, don't look up here and say they got too many instruments. David said, I, I, I built 4,000 because I didn't want my people to come into my tabernacle that I put up for my God and not know what to do. So I gave them tambourines. I gave them cymbals, high-sounding cymbals. 
David said, I, I gave them timbrels. I gave, I gave them every sort of instrument that I could make, harps and stringed instruments, drums. Man, when they went in there, a lot of people say, oh, my goodness, it must have sounded horrible. Oh, no, 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 because they were making a joyful noise unto the Lord. It was the spirit of which they were making the noise. It wasn't about being on key. It wasn't about being on beat. It wasn't about a choir getting up there and ooh. It wasn't about the harmonies. It wasn't about all that. They came and said, give me an instrument to put in my hand and the instrument that I put in my hand. I'll bang it and I'll praise my God with it. When I'm in the presence of the Lord, I will shout, I will dance, I will sing, and I will play on the instruments of praise. First Chronicles 9, 33. David said, I'm going to give me some singers. Uh, and I'm not just going to give me any singers. Uh, I'm going to give me some singers that, that they can praise the Lord day and night. He says, and these are the singers, chief of the fathers of the Levites. The Levite is it. That's a singer. They're in there to worship. Who remaining in the chambers were free. That simply means they had no other job. They didn't have to work another job. They were free. They were full time. For they were employed in that work day and night. Do you see what David was doing here? David was saying, Lord, let your will be done in heaven. Let it be done on earth as it is in heaven. He said, David said, if there's, if there's angels day and night crying, holy, holy, holy. If there's angels that are, that, are, that are walking back and forth in front of the throne of God. And they're crying, holy, holy, holy. He said, I'm going to mirror that worship down here on earth. And he said, I'm going to put people inside the tabernacle that day and night... I'm talking about an authentic worship experience. I'm talking about the man of God who understood what God desired and that was a relationship with his people. Authentic worship. Authentic worship. It was David. Now, now you kind of, if you could kind of understand with me, and this is where I began to find other verses that David wrote about where he said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. He wasn't talking about his son's temple because he wasn't alive. He was saying, I was glad when they said, hey, King David, can we, come on, can we go inside the tent? Come on, can we go into the sanctuary? Come on, is, is it the day of prayer yet? We want to go in here and worship. He said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Psalm 27 and 4, one thing have I desired that I will seek after that I may dwell, we sang about it, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Psalm 84 and 1, I love this, my favorite psalm. He said, how admirable are thy tabernacles, O Lord of hosts. My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Yea, the sparrow hath found a house and the swallow a nest for herself where she may lay her young. Even thine altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God, blessed are they that dwell in the house. They will still praise in thee. Selah. And then verse 7 says they go from strength to strength. Every one of them in Zion appeareth before God for a day in thy courts is better than a thousand. A thousand what? He didn't even say. He says it's 
if I could just get a day, a thousand anything, if I could just get in the presence of God, if I could just get in the sanctuary, if I could just experience worship, if I could have a worship experience, it's better than a thousand of everything else this world can offer. I'm almost done. I'm almost finished. But listen closely because I'm going to speak quickly. The tabernacle of Moses, it had its purpose. It showed us the correct steps needed to be taken in order to become before the presence of God. Thank God for Moses' tabernacle. Thank God for the plan of salvation. Thank God for the steps we take to get in God's presence. But it was the tabernacle of David that showed us how to worship in the presence of God. I'm thankful for the steps that Moses taught us, and we walked and followed those steps to get into the presence, the repentance and the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Ghost. But I'm so thankful for David because David took a step beyond salvation, and he said, now that we have salvation, now we can learn to worship our God. Now that we've been in his presence, we can't help but to worship him. David revealed. He revealed what was inside. He said, I want you to see. I want you to know. I want you to feel the movement of God. And so in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, and I know a lot of you knew I was going here before I got here. Moses had a tabernacle. David built him a tabernacle, and then all of a sudden, we have a brand new tabernacle. We have yet another tabernacle that worship gets us, the experience of worship gets us into the next tabernacle, because in 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, Paul says, what? Know ye not that your body is the tabernacle of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Come on, do you see where I'm going here? We had the plan of salvation. We had worship. But then God said, I will not be satisfied with just being in your presence. God said, I want to be inside of you. Let me tell you something tonight. Oh, today I'm so excited because if you're in this place and the Spirit of God is not residing in you, if your body is not the temple, if your heart is not the throne room of God, I've got good news for you because you can leave this place today and you can build God your own tabernacle and say, God, fill this body with your spirit. He wants to live in our bodies. I want you to stand to your feet. God said, I want to dwell in the heart of man. God said, I'm not satisfied behind a veil. I'm not satisfied to live in a box somewhere. He said, I'm not satisfied. He said, I want to know man just as bad as man wants to know me. I want you to think about this. Because all throughout the Old Testament, It was all about the people, the children of God, longing to know who God was. Longing to know the name of God. Read the Old Testament. Every page points to people saying, God, tell me who you are. Every page of the Old Testament points and says there's people that know that there is a God They just don't know how to experience the God. Talk to Abraham. Talk to Isaac. Talk to Jacob. 
patriarchs and the matriarchs, they had one thing in common. Oh, that I might know him. Oh, that I might experience him. But it was the New Testament that fulfilled the Old Testament. Because when the day of Pentecost was fully come, God said, no longer will I dwell behind a veil. He said, when Jesus, when Jesus went to the cross, when Jesus, when he spread his arms wide in love to us, when he shed his own blood for us, when the Bible says he gave up the ghost, when he dropped his head and the life left the man Christ Jesus, the Bible says that the veil in the temple was rent, ripped from top to bottom. And God said, now I can get out of here. And not only can I get out, he said, but my people can get in. Because here's the deal. You say, Brother Erickson, but what, 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 about the, what about David's tabernacle? Well, short story says this. David died. His son took over, built this great temple for God, which is a beautiful thing. And they put God, they put the box right back behind the veil. And they left the worship that they had been worshiping. And they went right back to Moses' tabernacle and worship. And that's all biblical. That's all fine and good. But then there came a time in the New Testament when God said, I don't want to return to Moses' tabernacle. I want David's tabernacle. God said, rebuild David's. You know what David's tabernacle is? It's our bodies. He said, I want to know you so bad. If you're here, I don't know why you're here today. You might have got invited. You might have seen a flyer. You might have got something in the mail. You might have had a door hanger that was on your door yesterday. I don't know. There's a lot of reasons why you might be here. But I just believe there's somebody here with a need that says, if I could just experience God, if I could just feel Him, if I could just get close to Him, maybe I'll have hope again. Maybe I'll have peace again. So what I want to do in church family, you might have to help me with this. But we want to make this whole place up here an altar, an altar area. We want this place. We want this place to be a place where somebody can come forward and say, God, Lord, I want to experience you in a way that I've never experienced you before. Because if you will tell God that, if you begin to praise him and begin to worship him, I want you to know he will fill your temple with his spirit. He will enter inside of you because when he walks into the room, oh my God, I feel the spirit in this place. When he walks into the room, things begin to change. Everything begins to change. Darkness, it starts to tremble because the light that he brings. When he walks into the room, every heart starts burning. Come on, I want you to come forward, church family. You're not Help me right here. I want you to come forward just as a church.